Welcome to a football show Thursday edition. Another new lick version of the product brought to you by Sinkers Beverages and of course the Kingston Group. That is Zach Lyons. I am Braden Gall. This is what the people wanted, Zach. More of our faces on the screen. I, I cannot. I do not <laughs> believe that for one bit, by the way. <laughs> I can't imagine it. But you know what? Here we are and we're hanging out. And of course, you can get to us on Twitter at FWords Pod. You can get to me at Braden Gall, of course, at 440 Sports as well. Give us a little subscription there if you're watching on facebook or if you're watching on twitter please head on over share the product now so that we can get people in and we can hang out and we can talk about these coordinators that had a chance to address the media on wednesday denard wilson and nick holtz uh, we'll talk about that we'll talk about brian callahan's philosophy we'll talk about demeanor we'll talk about how what we saw on wednesday maybe translates to some prospects and to some evaluation of players in free agency and in the draft and of course um what did we actually learn? Some definitive answers from the guys yesterday at uh, the press conference as well. Otherwise, uh, that's what we're going to get to. So if you want to jump into the comments, please give us some some questions and we'll be happy to take it wherever you guys want to go uh, as we've got a long time to go before the combine and then the draft and et cetera. Yeah, I got a lot of notes, a lot of notes from the press conference. I like it. <laughs> look, look, we, Zach and I single-handedly keeping the legal pad business in, in business. Look at that. Look at all those notes. Hey, listen, there. you want to talk about who's keeping the <laughs> the spiral notebooks and all that kind of stuff in business? That'd be Stony. He his office <laughs> looks like a fucking hoarder of just notebooks stacked upon notebooks. It's ridiculous. Uh, Trey says he loves. I am little- also now it, it, in its ridiculousness. I am emulating it at the at this point in time. Yeah, I've got a-, a new desk set up, so like I keep looking at the screen over here, but the camera's like right in front of me. I got to figure this out. This, this I did this the other day, and and my wife looked at me like I was crazy. I, I bought a twelve pack of these, and uh, I know that just messed up the camera view, but I brought a twelve pack of those, and I was like, she goes, I guess you're the one guy who buys legal pads in America, like in all right. of America. I'm like, no, 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 it's my entire business. It's all sports media that does this. We'll get to we'll, we. I, I want to say. Sk- like Lou Holtz and Skip Holtz. No, it's Nick Holtz. We'll get to him uh, and his performance, and we'll talk Denard Wilson as well. So we'll we'll quote, yes, uh, D. Good. He Denard Wilson did, in fact, quote Patton. It was pretty good. Um, Sinkers Beverages and the Kingston Group. You can see those logos right up there above my head. The Kingston Group, of course, Nashville's locally owned custom home and remodeling firm. BuildKG.com is the website. Uh, I'll tell you more about them. If you have any projects with your house, you're buying a house, you're selling a house, have a conversation with them. So make sure you talk to the Kingston Group. They've been a great supporter of this product for, I don't know, almost like three years now. And uh, obviously they do great, great work. Nose to tail operations. So check them out. And of course, Sinkers Beverages partnered with Bluegrass Beverages, who apparently, uh, yes, they are selling particular beverages that are non-alcoholic, but will still take the edge off. That's all I'm going to say. THC. Can we not say THC? I, I just, I'm trying to not, you know, I don't, I think you can. I don't want, here's what I don't it's want. It's legal. I, I mean, it's not like it's a illegal it's, thing. It's legal through like a loophole, though, and I don't want them to close the loophole because I was talking to a few members of the body the other day, and they're all going to vote against legalization of marijuana because some stupid rules. Because they're idiots. Because they're idiots, and I don't want to. I don't want to let anyone know that there's the loophole. So maybe we should stop talking. Just go to Sinkers or Bluegrass, and if you're not into the booze, which they have plenty of, they have lots of great non alcoholic stuff. I think a lot stuff, of people but... in in that vote on this stuff listen to the show. <laughs> no. No, but yeah, right. well, maybe, maybe. Let's not worry about it. Maybe I will. I will say as I'm getting to know go more people. Pot, go get your pot drinks over at uh, Bluegrass Beverages. Drink. Your Beverages. weed drinks. No, I uh, I am learning though that uh, as I get to know more and more folks in the sort of legislative world and arena that there are 
huge sports fans over there. Huge sports fans. So it's it's uh, funny to me that they're like expected. there's this law that's going through or trying to pass where you can't sell cold beer anymore in the state of Tennessee. Yeah. And I'm thinking, yeah. and and it's because someone got killed by a drunk driver or someone close to someone got killed by a drunk driver. And I'm like. If they are drinking from the store, then they cannot wait to get home or to their destination to start drinking the beer. That person has a real problem. It's not going to matter if it's cold or if it's warm. They're going to pop open that beer. I would guess if you can't wait that long, then right. you're, you're, you're probably right. Also, another good reason to search Uber Eats, Sinker's Beverages or Bluegrass yeah. Beverages, and they'll deliver the booze right to your house so that we can keep beer cold. Yeah, they drive so you can drink. <sighs> Unbelievable! Just please keep the beer cold in this in this country. It's in the state. It's not that big of an ask. Um, all right, let's start broadly here with Denard Wilson and Nick Holtz. What was your takeaway broadly from almost an hour of Q and A and introduction? Uh, I would say that there are some people in the media press corps that uh, need to learn their place. I would assume would be my <laughs> number one takeaway. I can't believe you went number one with that. Yeah. Well, it's the, it's the most important and best soundbite of the entire uh, press conference. Uh, someone said that the best one was uh, Denard Wilson quoting the president. Um, he's Canadian, so he doesn't know how gen general presidents here in the United States. Uh, but uh, I said I hard disagree. The best uh, slash soundbite came from the inside of the media. Uh, no, I mean, I, no big deal in the big scheme of things. It was just hilarious and I'm a, I like the drama. I mean, the, you finally made your press conference interesting. And that was the section that needed it because Nick Holtz is Bobby Slowick. Like I kept telling everybody, it was not going to be an exciting, enthusiastic presentation. Uh, especially, like, really, they should have had Denard Wilson go second <laughs> and, and Nick Holtz go first. And because I think that also made Nick Holtz look bad in comparison. I There's, there's no gonna help that though like even if denard wilson is second it's still gonna make nick holtz look a little bit boring a little bit white bread but that's fine it doesn't matter how he communicates and how nervous he is in front of the media he's obviously a good and well-respected communicator to players and that's what matters but denard wilson whoo man he got me all hot and bothered man like i loved everything that denard wilson said there's a lot of stuff that he dropped that I haven't really seen anybody talk about that I didn't catch the first time that I caught the second time. So I don't know. I really like. I I I think it is appropriate, and I've worked with you long enough to know that you absolutely love obnoxious communication. It is it absolutely. I I can tell when he says that out loud. I'm like, oh, Zach's gonna love that. That's uh, Zach, this is this is Zach's guy here. This is Zach's guy here. So we'll get to some of the that things. That was my that wasn't anything that I had written down, by the way, in my notes. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's my notes about working with you. Um, no, no, it's also very true when you watch the Super Bowl, even, and you see a great defense that is cohesive and that clearly understand every person is on the same page making the same check at the same time. And that is even in the Super Bowl, you can see one defense doing that. And so I, I think. It, it, it makes sense what he's talking about. And we'll get into some more specifics, but it sounds, I, I agree that Holtz was uh, less than inspiring, but that's not uh, perception. Reality are not the, the thing like reality is what matters, not the perception of the reality. I, I knew it was going to be that way too. I tried warning people. I said it on the show know, a couple weeks ago. Yeah. yeah. It's not like, 
the you know he's Bobby Slowick. You know, that's what he is in terms of personality, how he talks in the media, how he communicates to media, and that's fine. Like in today's NFL, you don't have to be the loud personality in certain situations. I think he brought it up when he was talking about uh someone asked him about talking about DeAndre Hopkins. As long as he thinks in his belief, as long as he's genuine in the knowledge that he gives and communicates, that's all that matters, and I fully agree. In today's NFL, authenticity and being genuine and not talking out your ass goes a long way with players, especially veteran players, but a long way with players in general. Well, and I also think Colts is kind of in a tough spot because, I mean, even he was at, I I, I think it was, I think it was actually, it was ironically, I think it was PK that asked him, uh, following the exchange that you referred to. And I can't believe if any of you in the comments actually care about that, please let me know. I'm just, I couldn't care less, but he, no, we're not talking about it. It was just a one-off. We're not having, we're not going to be buck and have a whole hour dedicated. No, I know. I was so, no, 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 of course not. But I saw a few people on Twitter say, or in the, in the comments saying something and I was, and I was hoping that's not what they were referring to, but the question about like, Hey, are you in like, you're, you sort of get to be Brian for Brian, right? Because Brian was this role yeah. for Zach Taylor in Cincinnati. And it's an interesting way to frame it. And I think even Nick was sort of like, I don't, I didn't expect it or explain it that way. I'm going to be myself. And so it's almost like he didn't kind of fully grasp what, what was being asked, which was like this role that you're playing. Like, what is it that you, how, how much, what, what can Brian tell you about his role when he played that role? And I think he was trying to get more into what exactly are you like the role that you're playing here? You're not a play caller, but you're a coordinator and it's Brian's offense. And then when we got into like the conversation, we'll get to this in a minute, but when we get into the conversation about like play calling and scripting and Will Levis's input and all that stuff from Brian Callahan, super interesting stuff, super interesting stuff that like gave us some insight into how they're going to run a game plan throughout the weekend in a game. But even when, even when asked like, Hey, you're sort of playing this weird role where you're not really like, if there's just not a lot for him to say about the role other than like, no, I'm here to make every process go smoother. I'm here to, well, you know, help. That's you the know. thing is like, they're still obviously figuring out the intricacies of the system, right? You're, you're really only getting, it seems like very detailed information to us. I feel like because Mike Vrabel would give us nothing. <laughs> Nobody would give us anything. And now we're getting like, just really just, 1000 foot view stuff from uh, as far as the offense goes, but with Brian having said the majority of it and they are still hiring people or they were hiring people at the time, but you know, the whole staff hasn't been built yet. And they are going to, they obviously haven't really given out the duties of who's going to handle third down play calling or installation red zone and all this stuff. So there's not really much that they can answer, but I feel like to us, it sounds like holy crap! These guys are telling they're they're opening up the vault and giving us everything. Like that's and I think that's just because it's a new regime that is doing stuff entirely different. Um, I heard that after because you didn't go to the press conference yesterday, but I heard that after the press conference yesterday, Brian Callahan came into the the media room and was just kind of hanging out, joking around with everybody, and and the the whole idea was like. I want this to be an atmosphere where players enjoy coming. You guys enjoy coming here and hanging out and being here. And that seems a little bit different than the tail end of the time of Vrabel. Well, and I find, first of all, and this is maybe some, some back behind the scenes for media, just so that folks out there understand, like it's, you're not supposed to 
like Derrick Henry in the Hall of Fame, Pekka Rene in the Hall of Fame, two Nash I'll just use two Nashville athletes here. It, when you vote on the Hall of Fame, and in particular in hockey where it's a little bit, you know, less structured and serious the way it is in the NFL, it it's not supposed to be who you are affects you know your status as a Hall of Famer. It's not supposed to be, but it is human nature when you cover someone like Derrick Henry or Pecarine, who are just like extremely good people, it is hard not to have that taken into account when you cover someone. And it, it's you're supposed to sort of check that to some degree, but it is human nature. If if like Pecarine would go out of his way to like shun the the, the team advice to make himself available to to people that were putting in the work and the time to get a okay, quote. So from what you're saying, I'm, I'm kind of, I got kind of lost there. Well, let me get what to get, what the point is. Yeah. You're not supposed but I think to I figure, I think I figured it out. I'm getting to Brian and I'm going to get to, I'm going to, it's going to take me to, maybe it's too, too long of a winding basically, road. Here to, basically your coverage may be a little bit skewed if you're in the media, if you kind of like the guy and can enjoy talking well, to the guy it, to some degree, it's not supposed to, but let me, let me paint it a different way for you. Cause this is what we've had. I mean, Gentry Estes just wrote this column with Tennessee about Rand Carthon. And what what it's not supposed to change your Very analysis. Silly article, by the way. Also, a lot of factual points, though, because here's what you can do. And this is ultimately this is ultimately behind the scenes media, sort of how the sausage is made stuff. Very, will, very opinion lace, not really fact you, based in facts. You will earn Brian Callahan by doing very little to just treat people with like sort of kindness and respect by putting in, a, even if you're fucking bullshitting, even if you're faking it, if you just put in the tiniest little bit of effort to your point, to make the environment a more hospitable place to be for all parties, whether that's players There's or coaches. I get a local media wants their ego stroked every chance. It's not about, get. it's and not about that. We are one of the yeah, softest what it sounds like, by no, the way, <laughs> no, it's not. It's human nature. When you are, when you just take a little bit of effort to do something nice for somebody else, that person may give you the benefit of the doubt later on. That's just human beings. That is not any one person, any walk of life, one industry, nothing. That is just regular old human. It is hard to take away like when so if Brian Callahan, because I, I this is the feeling I get from Brian Callahan being around him just the one time, and I hope doesn't change about Brian Callahan, which is that he is far more open, far more honest about what's going on, far more interesting to talk to about football because he doesn't have this sort of like egomaniacal like thing. And and in other media markets, it's way more combative in other like what happened yesterday is like a joke in, in New York and Chicago and D.C. and every other, like all these other places. We, we are a very soft media town, meaning the media is very soft on the people they cover. It is a very and, re, and very so, relaxed. Soft in general. And very also relaxed. soft physically. But they are also like the vast majority of those people in that room are pretty good people. They're, pre they're pretty good people. And they will give you a fair and honest shake. And if Brian Callahan just puts in the tiniest little bit of effort to just make that more like, I'm not talking about stroking egos. I'm just saying like, hey, I'm going to take five seconds to get to know you and who you are and what your job is. Hey, I'm going to take five seconds to get to know you. I'm going to take five seconds to get to know you. What happens is that you may get a tiny little bit of benefit of the doubt on the back end some other place down the road. And and we can argue about whether that's right or wrong. Maybe it's wrong. Subjectivity tied to what should be objectivity. And I, and I get it and understand it. And, it's human and nature. I understand. Yeah, it's human nature. You know, sometimes you should be above, you know, a little bit of human nature and be objective in what you and how you view things. But you know, I understand that everybody. Well, do you, do you think cold that other, and callous like me? 
Well, <laughs> I also think that like, again, I've, this is the way I've functioned for 20 years. Like I'm okay with like, I, it doesn't take much to put in a tiny little bit of effort to build a relationship with a, per, a particular reporter that might also still treat, call you out on your bullshit later on. But like, again, it's, just, this is where, where I think Amy Adams Strunk, who's not comfortable in these settings and Rand Carthon, Chad Brinker, you can do yourself that a lot of good with a tiny little bit of work. That's all. That's all that is. And Bill, Bill, there I did it. Brian Callahan is, is, you know, putting in this tiny little bit of work as a first time head coach for the first time in his career in this role to put in a tiny little bit of work. And that's what's going to happen. Like, again, everyone thinks PK is like this toxic creature in these press conferences. He's not, it's not at all like that. He's a toxic person regularly, but not, not in these press conferences. And, and it's like, he wasn't the reason that thing got out of hand the other day. And because to be honest, if you, if you go back and re-listen to it, he and not that part, but in the beginning, I believe there was a Denard Wilson. And I don't know um, which reporter she was asking a question, and I believe it was the same guy that talked right over her and tried to bull rush her, he, her yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. And so he did yeah. it at the he did it at the Brian Callahan press conference, and I thought it was a one time thing for his introductory press conference. Turns out he's on the beat now, but like again, it's okay. He just. He, that's his style, whatever. Like, it's fine. But be interesting. the be point interesting is, is that even with, and I know we're kind of like, we need to get to the, the, the coordinators here, but ultimately, and I'll wrap up on this. It's just like, even with the most abrasive reporters, let's just say it like this, even with the most abrasive reporters, who's going to call shit how they see it and going to be totally objective. You can still go and like introduce yourself and say, look, Hey, I'm going to create an environment here. That's going to be more comfortable for everybody. And, and if you do that, it's it, it becomes a little bit it's like everything gets a little bit easier and smarter. And again, it, it's sort of like if you if like when my seven year old says I ask her what's on the piece of paper and she's like, nothing, dad. I'm like, babe, if you'd say that to me, I'm going to want to know more now what's on the paper. <laughs> and that's sort of what's happening with the Titans front office is that people now want to know more. They're turning nothing into something by not being available. And when you make yourself available, you earn some goodwill and it's just human nature. So anyway, sorry, that's a tangent. I apologize for taking us there, but. But doing that stuff for Brian after the press conference, that does pay dividends in, in how you're covered, what, for right or for wrong. So, yeah. Um, okay. Denard yeah, Wilson. Denard Wilson. Back to, back to making you hot and bothered. Denard Wilson. <laughs> I don't know where to start. I mean, the majority, if, if you want, guys want to look back in here, the majority of my notes from here to like right here in this line of right here, this is all Denard Wilson. Like all this is Denard Wilson. So, um, I mean, he he gave the most information. I, I do think that there was a lot of good tidbits with Brian or with a. Uh, I'm just gonna call him Brian Holtz, right? Let's just call him Brian Holtz. Well, let's just re relationship them together at this point, um, because they are one in the same at this at this juncture in time. But as far as Denard Wilson goes, um, you know, speaking of Rand Carthon and how everybody hates him because he doesn't, you know, talk to you guys. Um, the uh, the only reason Denard Wilson is really here, it sounds like, is because of Rand Carthon. Yep. And yep. if you read that um, very heavily opinionated piece by Gentry Estes, um, where he talks about, well, how could he be a people person? That's the first thing Brian Callahan said. And then there, boom, there you go. There's your people person. Exhibit A, people person. Rand Carthon, who has built great relationships, Denard Wilson, a, a, a relationship that stood the test of time. That was not they stayed in touch over time. They made plans almost talking about like, man, well, one day I'll be a defensive coordinator, a head coach. and You'll be a GM, you know, back, I guess it'd be 2008. 
which is now we're in 2024, which is just kind of crazy that, you know, it took this long for these two guys to get together. Um, but I mean, right there, I mean, it, it, there you go. There is, there is your exhibit. There's your tangible evidence of Denard Wilson and or of Rand Carthon, his experience, people wanting to come here because of Rand. I mean, we had Aziz Al-Shair, Daniel Brunskill, Sean Murphy Bunting as well. But this is your tangible evidence like Denard Wilson is is here. He chose here because of Rand Carthon. I mean, that's what I got from the press I, conference. I, I think well, it's funny. I, I wrote one of the things I wrote down because they talk so much about relationships and so much about overlap and working together. It is it's I mean, Brian Callahan and Denard Wilson met like last week or whenever they interviewed, whenever that took place. That's when they met. Rand Carthon and Denard Wilson met as you pointed out, a very long time ago when they were both on the way up. So this, to me, I agree. The thing I took away from first, which again, is not a huge talking point or big bullet point of it, but like, ultimately this strikes me as a Rand Carthon decision with Brian Callahan's approval, not a Brian Callahan decision with Rand Carthon's approval. It's a small, subtle difference, but it very clearly is a Rand Carthon introduction. Hey, I want to introduce you to this guy that I know. Yes, you probably coached against him, and yes, you probably respect the Ravens secondary and all these things. But like, he's—I've known him for 15 years. You've never met. I want you guys to meet. Let's roll, because they talk so much about experience and relationships and how much they all work together and being friends. And there's a lot of kumbaya at the press conference. But those two guys don't know each other, and they're going to learn to right. to get to know each other. And Brian Callahan even said in his opening remarks before even Denard Wilson got up there is like how much. You know, he leaned on Rand, how much Rand was an advocate for him to meet certain players. Um, you know, diversity of thought popped up as well in there. Good one. But he basically talked about Rand Carthon, people, person, experience, Rolodex, this, this, and this. And that's called collaborate. This is a collaboration, right? I mean, like, this is the pure definition of collaboration. Because when Rand Carthon was hired, I thought, well, for sure. They're going to interview some San Francisco guys that are on the way up for offensive coordinator. They're going to interview this or that guy for some defensive positions because he's got he's got some connections. And they did none of that. <laughs> so, like, this is pure collaboration. What then goes from there is that Brian Callahan, if you look at the staff, Denard Wilson's staff, this is not a Brian Callahan staff. This is a Denard Wilson staff. And I think someone tried to get them to say it, and it may have been PK again, Try to get them to say, like, is he the defensive, the head coach of the defense? I don't know who that was, but See, was Steve, someone Steve had said something like that. And I was like, that's kind of how I view this relationship, and that's how you should view the relationship between an offensive play calling head coach and a defensive uh, coordinator, is that he comes in, he builds his staff. That's what you should do in this instance. You should not give a defensive coordinator as an, as an offensive play calling head coach well you're gonna have to hire this guy this guy this guy you let him build out his staff with people they trust much like brian callahan has built out his staff with people they can trust so i really like this staff um a lot of people have been asking me whether uh tracy rocker is a downgrade from uh coach t and i i don't think so if anything that's just the same if anything it may be a marginal improvement We'll just see, but tr what Tracy Rocker is known for, what Denard Wilson preached in his thing, they're teachers. And that is what this whole staff, to me, 
Bill Callahan is considered one of the greatest teachers of the all. They're not coaches. They are teachers. And I think with today's high school practices, high school technique teaching, college practices, college technique teaching, we talked about how like it takes offensive linemen really, they're not taught everything anymore. It's kind of like they're kind of rushed through that you need teachers more yeah. than you need coaches. And that's kind of where I'm at. Also found it interesting that he, Brian Callahan mentioned Tom Jones at the top, said Tom Jones, him and Ren Carthon haven't really left the building. And Tom Jones was just announced that he got hired. So as assistant to the head coach, uh, the new strike stretch, if you will. Um, but I found that interesting as well. Uh, I think going back to, and a couple of you guys have commented on this and, and, and to your point about like, it was, I think it was Steve Lehman that asked, like, hey, hey, do, were you looking for someone to be the head coach of the defense, for lack of a better phrase? And he kind of paused and he was like, you know, I hadn't thought about it that way. But again, if you're if you are the offensive play caller as the head coach, and we see this on every level of football, it, you are incapable of like going out and, and we'll get into this in a minute because very like as to be expected, but more honest than Brable, of course, Callahan talking about when they actually make adjustments in a game. Well, it's going to be between series. Well, you can't do that with your with Will Levis and whoever, what other other pieces of the offensive coaching staff you want on the sideline in between series. You can't do that and then also be out there calling the defensive plays and managing the, the like you have to have you have to be able to delegate some of that and delegating the defense to Denard Wilson is clearly what he's decided. And in his answer, he said, look, I'll be here. I'm going to oversee this. I'm going to oversee that. I'm going to play the role of, of, of sounding board. Uh, you know, if they need me to help with X, Y, or Z, I'm going to be here. Hey, this is really challenging for me as a coordinator. I'll be here. But like, I don't know. It, it struck me as, as Brian Callahan saying, look, this is his, his, this is his defense. This is his baby. He's going to run it how he sees fit. I'll be here if he needs me. And that's, and that's yeah. like from his, that's from his mouth. That's not us yeah. guessing. That's from his mouth. No. I mean, that's a definitive answer. It's it's something that we assumed, but it's a definitive answer. I think we got a lot of confirmation of stuff that we've talked about on the show. Um, but what I thought was interesting was that both Brian Callahan and, of course, Denard Wilson and stuff that he described um, talked about how in today's NFL, right? Like defenses in today's NFL, don't lock yourself into one thing into one uh, system, into one way of doing things with the way the passing game has evolved, blah, 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 blah. If you've seen me talk <laughs> or write or anything about Mike McDonald, it just screams like you're getting Mike McDonald without him being Mike McDonald. Like yeah, that's, I mean, that's what you're getting with Denard Wilson. And something that nobody's really talked about is that he threw in there he was talking about being smart with blitzes, right? You got you got to learn when to blitz, blah blah. But he says we're going to play man to man. Yeah, I like, heard that too. Nobody has talked about like I have not seen anybody talk about. They're going to play man to man. So I don't know. In today's NFL, you don't play a lot of man anyway. Uh, but I'm pretty sure that you're going to be seeing a lot more man to man coverage, which means when you get to your prospect profile, when I'm building out and looking at draft picks and everything, he's talked about. Um, Let's see, where is it at? Um, attacking the ball, physical, violent, violent ball skills, talent, effort, comp competitiveness, like all this stuff that has to do with being able to play man. Like everything that he listed out of what he's looking for in his coverage cornerbacks. First off, it eliminates Eric Guerra and Trey Avery. But secondly, it says 
It's everything that you need to run a man-to-man coverage system. Foot speed, quickness, change of direction, leveraging your eyes. That's everything you need to have a good man-to-man corner. And this, this draft is really good and filled with man-to-man corners, in my opinion. And his first... His first sentence was like, I mean, again, when he's quoting, I think, I don't know who he was quoting. It was, it was the patent quote or the other quote where he's like, look, nobody's defended anything really well. You got to attack, 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 attack. That's patent. And, you know, be violent. He also, he said, he goes, he basically, to your point about the blitzing, he was like, blitz. And he goes, we will blitz when it's called for. We're going to be smart about it. We're going to play man to man. And then he immediately, of course, does the coach thing where he's like, also, we're going to be versatile and multiple and varied. We're going to change looks and we got to change the picture and all that other stuff. Uh, outstanding pass defense. I thought it was interesting that he was asked about, I think it's kind of a bad question and I don't remember who asked it. So I apologize. I think it's kind of a bad question to ask about like, how do you create turnovers? Because creating turnovers over time, generally kind of like recovering fumbles, for example, is a thing that regresses to a 50, 50 proposition over time. Statistically, when balls are deflected in the air, there's a percentage that they get intercepted versus hit the ground that you regress to or progress to over time. And I, but I thought his answer was interesting because he said the way you get to the foot and he said, you know, the football travels faster through the air than it does on the ground. And we have to, you get, you create turnovers through population and technique. I thought those were two really, that's an interesting way to describe, which is essentially the same way every coach has said it forever. We're going to fly to the football. We've got to fly, but we're going to fly to the football with proper technique. Which, I, you well, know, Fred, Fred Warner it, comes it, to mind. <laughs> yeah, well, that also goes into, like, they want to be valid in their approach, which I thought was, like, basically, our approach to defense is going to be, we we are doing what is right against this offense. We are going to be valid in approach. And um, they want to be smart and intelligent and not compromise. All this stuff, If if you have not heard me talk about the Tennessee Titans defense ever and over the last since I've started football and other efforts. And I, I know someone had put it up into the chat at some point playing 10 yards off the ball is not going to happen. Like that is those, it will happen sometimes, but this is going to be an in your face, violent defense. And that is what we are going to be looking for. Right. I like, that's what we've wanted. I don't know about blitzing. I don't give a shit about the run defense because run defense doesn't matter. Your run game and your run defense do not matter anymore if you're a Tennessee Titans fan. Like, it matters. Like, right? Like, you don't want to, you know, have someone going 200 yards on you. But at this point, if you look at the teams that make it to the playoffs, it is passing efficiency on offense and uh, having really good pass defense. That's how you make the playoffs. And they're not going to make the playoffs next year. They're, they're going to have a lot of work to do. Roger McCreary is physical and violent. Uh, he fits in really well. Um, I would also say that when you look at it, like Jeffrey Simmons, obviously, yeah. you know, Monty Hooker is going to be an interesting chess piece. We've kind of talked about him. I think he won't be Kyle Hamilton, but he'll he could be Geno Stone-esque or something like that. Either way, they got a lot of work to do. And <laughs> yes. anybody that they bring in, you know. And, I, and here, here's, I guess this kind of ties into this too. It's not about the scheme. Because, of course, PK's asked again about the 3-4-4-3 three, four, four, three defense. He did it in a better way, though, this time. Yeah, yeah. 
But it's not about the scheme. It's about players. And you fit the scheme to what they do well. So you're going to be able to figure out what their scheme is by the players that they bring in. And you can guarantee they're not bringing in players to fit their scheme. They're bringing in players to create a scheme around. And to me, that is, again, a stark contrast to I'm dating all the way back to Jeff Fisher, it feels like. I mean, it felt like this team for the longest time has been, I don't care if you're a square peg, you got to find your way to I, fit in this round hole. I, ironically, the guy who hired Denard Wilson to give him his first coaching job. <laughs> um, no, be multiple, flexible, adaptable. I mean, obviously all the other stuff, the, the tough, violent effort. Uh, he said he's going to teach, motivate, and inspire. Those last two are pretty much the same thing. Um, I, look, I think we can, to your point, we're not going to know Honestly, they're, they're, if anybody ever steps to the podium anymore as a defensive coordinator in 2024 and just says, like, here's how we're going to do it, I would be, like, taken aback by that. I'd be shocked. So I think everything he said is sort of what you have to say in, in, a, in a modern world where you have to be able to adapt on the fly, change your looks, give get, change the picture for the opposing quarterback. You cannot be predictable on either side of the ball. Like, this is just sort of football. Like, it's just sort of football. So... I don't think you can like win a lot of people over with these press conferences yesterday. I think to your point about Nick Holtz, you can maybe lose a little bit of inspiration, but I don't think you can really win or lose much in yesterday. And I think Denard Wilson kind of checked every box. He certainly has an alpha mentality and a personality that I think is on display in that, and that ability to answer questions confidently. He sort of has his talking points ready to go. He sort of knows he what he wants to say. Billing, right? Like yeah, everything, yeah. everybody talks about Denard Wilson has been with the utmost respect saying that he's going to be a future head coach. Like yesterday, yeah. was a head coach press conference by Denard Wilson. So and, and the mean, best. again, Rand Carthon had a really good press conference and people hate him one year later. So maybe that people will hate Denard Wilson, but I really think that Denard Wilson, I, I don't, I, you, you sent the text that like, well, you know, I didn't really find a lot of takeaways from, from a perspective of where I come looking at football, right. When I'm looking at the data, when I'm looking at, cause you don't, you know, you, you don't really analyze a lot of the draft prospects or anything. And that's not your thing. You, you, you watch a lot of college football, but you're not, you're not big into like creating big boards and draft <laughs> prospect profiles. Why do that when I've got data. your big, when I've got your big, right. To work exactly. On. Why do that? <laughs> but, but what I'm saying is like, to me, I got a lot of information from Denard Wilson in the sense of what they're looking for on defense and, and not necessarily the scheme yet, but when now we know that when they bring in a player, though, you know, to me, that's a big takeaway. When they bring in a player, okay, well, let's look at what this player does really well because that's how they're going to use them, right? I mean, it's not like, well, how will this player fit, you know, in the way that the, you know, the Tennessee Titans played defense in the last four years? Now it's like we're creating both on offense and defense, we are creating something new and we're all on the ground floor together to be able to figure out what this is what does this look like what is their idea what's their vision what's their philosophy and it's it's gonna be it's not set in stone right now there's a lot of assumptions you can make but i felt like we got a lot of good insight from wilson in that regard on the defense and really to shift over to the offense if, if, you, if you're okay with that well uh, let, let, uh, me, let me wrap up with wilson real fast because i think it's you have to paint the entire picture before games happen and the entire picture includes his background and track record which we know has Todd Bowles. We know it has Greg Williams. We know it has 
these certain elements, right? We, we know what it's got. We saw him with McDaniel last year with Baltimore, so we can see what it was. We're going to see what players and what types of players they bring in. Just because they want to play man-to-man and they go try to acquire a bunch of man-to-man corners doesn't mean they end up with man-to-man corners that are good enough to run the system he wants to run. So maybe they have to adapt off of that. And then, of course, you just look at what happens when once the games start and the words that he says at the press conference. What I mean by, like, I didn't take a ton away is, like, it's just a piece of a puzzle. And I normally would view press conferences like this as sort of psychological experiments. I don't really view them as, like, Unless there's a piece of information like Brian Callahan saying, I will be calling plays. There's a piece of like hardcore news that like changes the way the team works or whatever. I still think the pieces they go acquire in free agency and in the draft are going to tell us more about what he wants to do than what he told us, even though he told us what he wants to do. If that makes sense, because I don't know a coach that steps up to the podium and is like, Everybody has to do exactly what I tell them to do. Like, nobody says that shit. You know, every coach is like, oh, we're going to be multiple. We're going to fit the scheme around the player. We're going to play to their strengths. We're going to, there's a lot of coach speak in there. Uh, Other than when he gets down to like the nitty gritty, and we're going to get this with Callahan, because I thought there was moments of like really interesting nuggets there where, again, population and technique is about how you create turnovers. That's, I've not not heard someone say it like that. I think that's interesting. Um, And otherwise, teach, motivate, inspire. That's kind of like coach speak 101. Um, I do like the phrase obnoxious communication because I think when you see a swarming defense that plays like violent, rabid football, you see every single player in a across the defense, especially the back seven, all communicate the same check at the same time when they see a certain motion or when they see a certain formation. What I like what I when I see a defense that's playing on all cylinders is when they come to the line of scrimmage and it's tight end motions to the other side and all six guys point, <laughs> you know, like. That's the obnoxious communication. Again, a phrase I've not heard before, but I appreciate him using. So we'll see. Hold I on, think a lot. Before think, we go, yeah, yeah, uh, and move over to offense. Fail to connect, fail to win. That that sorry, I had this over in the little bit corner of my notebook over here. So fail to have a connection between all the players of communicating, yeah. of a brotherhood, and all this stuff. Trust in each other on defense. You fail to win, and I thought. Because we have seen over the years so many times where, like, you're just kind of you see defenders blowing coverages, not trusting each other, looking at each other after a play, not understanding what's going on. But when you watch the Ravens play, you don't see that. You see that very few, very much, much less. So in my mind, it's like when the and Mike McDonald said this, but when the Ravens are on defense. And they see, let's say DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins plays on the outside majority times. When they see DeAndre Hopkins go into the slot, everybody without failure, without talking, they know where to go. They know where to change. They know they trust each other to make the adjustments necessary before the snap. So that means like if Kyle Hamilton was back in the back uh, as a deep free safety and they see uh, DeAndre Hopkins go into the slot, Kyle Hamilton may come into the slot to cover him while someone else goes back and takes his spot back there because they play the matchup. Just something I thought that tied something Mike yeah. McDonald talked Mike McDonald talked about that tied in to fail failure to connect with each other, failure to win. And he and he talked about keeping big plays, right? Pass plays in front of him, right? Like playing keeping everything in front of you, which again is about creating this sort of like not a not a cloud coverage, but it's about creating this no no holes in the defense sort of style. So again. 
I, I, I think we, we, I, I think I learned more about his personality than any of his football stuff. And I think that's, people should be excited about that type of personality because you, again, you need someone like Brian and a head coach to be on the defense. If Brian is going to be calling the plays on the offense. So uh, I think that's so far so good. Can't no idea if any of this is going to work. I just caveat to every football decision ever made by every team ever. You just have no people think they make every decision perfectly. Every time you just never know. Um, now to Brian Callahan on offense. I, I thought some of my favorites, to, and again, we'll, we'll, Wilson said we're, we're going to go through call-it periods all through OTAs and summer camp to get used to being a play caller. So that's going to be another question, calling the plays. The plays already being planned, I think, is interesting that the entire game plan is one of the things that Brian Callahan talked about is that almost all of our stuff is already in place before we get into the game, but that the best play callers are the ones who know how to quickly pivot, usually between series. That was a good phrase, a good sentence that I got. Adjustments in the game? What sorcery is this? Yeah. Um, I was told Brett, you could not do that. <laughs> one of the things that I thought, I thought of Kyle Shanahan when, when he said something, and I want to see what you think about this. Okay. He Because he, every, every coach scripts stuff, right? Whatever it might be. And he was talking about how we're going to have a top couple of options for any given situation. We're going to have top two or three plays for third and two, for third and six, for third and 12, whatever the situation may be, red zone, first down, whatever, plus territory, negative territory, they're clearly going to have a couple of plays that Will that Will Levis has helped pick out with the coaching staff that he loves for those situations. And But one of the phrases he uses at the beginning of the game, you're probing a defense. That's a phrase he used, which makes total sense. But it reminds me of Kyle Shanahan doing things that he knows may not work on purpose to see how the defense reacts. Yep. And it's like a Raptor testing the fences a little bit. And while that may be very normal with most coordinators, scripting and probing, uh, to hear someone just come out and say, like, yeah, this is how we're going to do it, I think is interesting to hear. And again, Brian Callahan's going to win a lot of people over by being open and 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 having fun with this stuff. I thought that was it. Does that remind Am I crazy to, to immediately think of Kyle Shanahan intentionally no, no, calling think, plays? I think, I think that's uh, 100% correct. Um, I, a couple of the take, there was a lot of good takeaways about Will Levis, I thought as well. Um, but as far as that goes, you know, both, both people that talked, uh, well, all three talked about in-game adjustments, talked about adjusting on the fly, being flexible. But when you, when you talk about that, I thought that, Nick Holt saying he's been in a lot of systems, have been under a lot of coaches. You don't stick around in one place for so long without being adaptable. And that's one of my biggest strengths is exactly what you want. You may not, you may not care for his personality and I'm not going to blame you or anything. You, you want something exciting or something like that. But as far as you as the, the listeners and the fans and whoever may be listening, that's what you want. You want someone that's adaptable. You want someone that's flexible because we have not had that. There has not been one coach that has came in here. Yeah, ever. I mean, Wizen Hunt, <laughs> no. I mean, I'm talking about <laughs> Jeff Fisher on back. And like that has been adaptable and flexible and 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 really lived to that billing, right? Mm -hmm. Like you you've heard we heard the um Malarkey? multiplicity. Yeah, none of it, none of them. They're, 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 they were all ended up being predictable in one way or the other. They were a run-first offense that ran a lot, and then they built it off the pass. This is going to be completely different. 
and I, I and I feel like that's going to be on the defense. So when they all three say different things like that, or adaptability, flexibility, and all that kind of stuff, that is seems to be the general theme among the entire staff, right? Like when they're talking about building out the offense, well, we're going to build a lot of the offense all together. It's going to be collaborative. Collaborative, be yeah. Mike Tolbert, Brian, uh, Bill Callahan, um, uh, J.O., Just Naughton. You know, all these guys that they are bringing in come from backgrounds of diverse offenses, too. It's not just one offense, right? They're going, it's going to be like a, it's going to be a very interesting offense to watch because I think it's going to, it's not going to be Kyle Shanahan. It's not going to be Sean McVay. It's not going to be Earnhardt Perkins. It's going to be like all that stuff wrapped up into one. It, it's going it to be, be like a new offense. I don't want to have to get too excited here. Well, it, I mean, honestly, hyperbolic. Uh, honestly, if you just use logic and you use sort of his background and his influences with the offenses he's run in the past, they don't mesh perfectly with Will Levis's skills. They just don't. But Will Levis has other things. And so, uh, again, we're going to run the other phrase. We're going to run good plays into good looks. <laughs> so I know it's like a it's like a duh, like kind of moment, like obviously that's what you want to do. But I think the name of the game is flexibility, adaptability, both sides of the ball. And I think his, I think Joe Burrow has very different skills than Will Levis. And so I think changing the offense to fit those skills, which in my opinion are an ultra quick release, which probably is similar to Burrow, but the big arm down the field, which he talked a little bit about today. I I think what's going to, this is going to do is it's going to put a lot of pressure on Will Levis. Honestly, if he does, if he is more involved in ranking the plays for any given situation, this is, and I was talking to we, you know, um, Herndon and I talked on Lamestream a couple weeks ago about this. Like the best thing the Titans can do this year is uh, is help Will Levis make better decisions. And one of the things I said in that conversation was, I think one of the things that held Ryan Tannehill back was the chess match at the line of scrimmage. And I don't think Tannehill was great at seeing three or four moves ahead. And the guys who are the greatest of the greats are the ones that can do that. And we were talking about Brady, Rogers, Manning in the modern era. And I think if, if, if Will Levis has comfortable with the plays that he's picking out that Zach Taylor, Zach Taylor, (laughs) Brian Callahan has his offense that he's designed and knows how to run and manage mixed with sort of what the defense is showing you and giving you. I ideally you've created a rapid decision-making process for Will Levis to get him processing as fast as possible. And then it's just on whether or not he's good enough to do it or not at that point. Yeah, I mean, look look at it this way is they they talked about a lot being on the quarterback. A lot is dictated by the quarterback. This is dictated by the quarterback. This well, this falls really more about the quarterback. Blah 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 blah. Uh the but what they talked about with Will Levis is that well, first off, they want their quarterbacks to be decision make decision making, accuracy, and toughness. They didn't really check. say that Will Levis had any of that but toughness. Like, <laughs> toughness was the only one he checked. And he has arm talent. And like we have talked about, arm talent means so much more in today's NFL than what people used to give it credit for. Arm talent is king. And you can teach and coach, especially with the guys I think they got, with Brian Callahan, Bo Hardegree, uh, and uh, Nick Holtz, that you can help him do the decision-making accuracy, but he still has to do it. 
Like it, it's not like, okay, well, we're going to coach you, coach you, coach you, and automatically you're going to be able to do it. No, that's something he's got to work on. But what I liked in all this and talking everything was the fact that they're not worried about last year's film. What Will Levis did last year really doesn't matter in the big scheme of things, right? It's what he's working on in this offense because this is an entirely new offense. It's about what he's working on in the offseason and what he works on from OTAs to mini camps to training camp all the way to the preseason. That's what matters. And I think that is a good way to look at it, is like your 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 quarterback basically he's inside the building, right? He needs to be inside the building as much as possible. Yep. You are get you've given him a plan for the offseason. He needs to go and enact and work on that plan and work on his decision making, work on his accuracy, come in and then start improving it. And you're basically, it's almost like everybody has a clean slate, right? We kind of talked about giving Tim Kelly a clean slate last year, not to put the sins of the father of Todd Downing on him. Let's give him a clean slate. Will Levis has a clean slate. Yep. Like that is yep. how you should be viewing the Will Levis uh, relationship between Brian Callahan, Nick Colts, yep. and Bo Hardigree. Uh, Square up says, you think we'll see Will scramble, Will Levis scramble and run more? And I think ultimately, I, I don't think the answer that I, I don't want to see him running more, but I do want to see, and I think maybe this is not about Brian Callahan specifically, but again, I think about Mahomes and the Super Bowl. They, they build every one of their plays in Kansas City with the ability to put a Patrick Mahomes element into them. And I think Will Levis does have that type of ability where you could run a triple option underneath RPO with three different plays, but the fourth the fourth option in that play is Will Levis keeping it off edge. If you read the, the end diving down and the they're playing man coverage and the safeties roll off and like like I think he has the ability that again I think it was fourth and one in the Super Bowl in overtime where Mahomes ran that they ran that triple option and then he just like there was nobody there the parting of the Red Sea and he runs to the right and then there was another one or that was in the third quarter. And then in the, in the overtime, there's the one where they run the same exact look with the same exact running back, but it's a pass play and the safety and Warner jump out on Kelsey. And so then Mahomes keeps it and gets the first down. And so I think you can bake that stuff into the, the, the reads. Like I think Will Levis is good enough, athletic enough that you should have, like by the time you get to the fourth or fifth read, like there should be a way for him to use his legs at that point. So, I, and then you force defenses to respect it. And so I think there's you don't want to use him like that, but I think you he's good enough that you can put it into the game, into the play calling, if that makes sense. Well, I mean, they want to they they set themselves, they want to dictate the terms and the tempo. And that again is going to rely heavily on the quarterback being able to execute the game yeah. plan so they can dictate the terms and the tempo. Yeah. Um, I, right, I thought that was interesting. Uh great speed, detail, and execution when talking about the players they want to bring in. I, the reason why I, I am putting this out there is because it was like great speed, detail, execution. And then like, okay, then we want to be tough. And tip, typically what we have heard is like, we want to be physical. We want physical, tough players that can play fast. So it's like a, it's swapped. Your, your speed is number one, your execution and your D in your detail orientation are two and three. And then, Okay, then you could be tough. Like if you're a tough guy after that, we're we're good. <laughs> like that's just an extra bonus. Toughness is an extra bonus where speed previously dating again all the way back to Jeff Fisher, speed was an extra bonus for, for yeah. these teams. Yeah. So to me that's, what, that's um, why we all lost our collective minds over Javon Curse. We were like, What? You can have speed off the edge? What? Yeah. Um, right. 
So I thought that was I th- I thought that was interesting. Uh, and, and you know, to me, it's like yeah, some of that stuff sounds like coach speak, and I get it. Yeah. But I think it's it's the way it's the way that the coach speak is phrased and how it is put into a sentence that matters. Like that's why, like okay, well, everybody wants yeah. fast players, right? Everybody wants athletic players. You actually have to draft those guys. If you look at um, Bill Belichick, he never really drafted those guys, and look where it got him. If you want to, I can't remember. There was another team I looked at that wasn't very athletic. So, like this idea that everybody wants athletic players. Okay, that's true. There's only so many athletic players you can get. But if you are talking about great speed, detail, and execution, yeah, that sounds like coach speak. But our coach speak that we're used to has been tough and physical than speed. Yeah, no, I agree. It's or it's prioritized in a little different way on on offense. I think on defense, violence and and toughness is right at the top of Denard Wilson's category. I mean, you can't watch the Ravens the Ravens defense. <laughs> yeah, you can't watch the Ravens defense and not think that they're not tough, physical, violent, you know, whatever. Like I, I think that and also it, so much of the game is 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 processing sort of like subconsciously, especially on defense where it's reactionary. Offense is now just as much reactionary and quarterback play as it is anything else. You've got to be able to read and process instantaneously, get to your third and fourth read in a matter of, you know, one and a half seconds. And, you know, this is ultimately what their job is, is to design an offense, hopefully with some more pieces at, I don't know, tackle and receiver, uh, to put Will Levis in a place where they've given him the options to process fast enough. And then then he's got to rely on his ability to get the ball to where it needs to go accurately. Again, details. That's, we'll see. That's the, the thing. biggest knock. That's the the biggest knock on him and, from a prospect perspective is accuracy. And if he ain't accurate, this offense ain't going to be doing. Going to be able to function. Yeah. It's much like you know with you know the way the offense used to run. Like if Derrick Henry's not that good, well, this offense may not be very good this today. If he doesn't have a good day. If now it's like if Will Levis isn't that accurate, this offense may not have a good day. Well, and again, that but that's like he who passes the football most efficiently wins the game, and that's mm-hmm. what we're that's what we're talking about now. It's a totally different era uh, and a totally different way to look at how we evaluate the offense and everything moving forward. So here we go. Uh, ultimately, Nick Holes not a great performance. Who cares? Not his offense. He is there in a support role for Brian Callahan, who once again answered questions in a very yeah. interesting way. And Denard Wilson, of course, looks the part of a leader on the defensive side of the ball, sounds the part of a leader on the defensive side of the ball. Now the next step, and we're going to spend next week doing this, looking at what this roster actually has to fit into all of those spots. We're going to look at the offense and defense next week separately on each show and say, look, now we kind of have a better feel for what these coordinators want to do and what we what we think the system and the scheme might look like. Who on this Titans roster fits into that future and who does not? Uh Maybe not a lot of names, <laughs> so, so. but we'll get to that next week, of course. Sinker's Beverages, the Kingston Group, a lot of great stuff for you guys over at Sinker's Beverages. Uh, great wine selection, great beer fridge. Uh, you've got the uh, THC drinks. you got the non-alc drinks. you got tons of bourbon. Uh, great. Go sign up for the in-crowd. We're going to have news for you on the draft party coming up soon, but you have to sign up for the in-crowd. So when you go to Sinker's Beverages, sign up for the in-crowd. Bluegrass Beverages has their version of it as well, but go sign up. you got to be signed up on there in their club. It's you you get a lot of great stuff just by being in the club, but you also will have access to our draft party, maybe multiple draft parties, who knows. 
Who knows? We'll see. So uh, make sure you go sign up. Sinkers Beverages. Kingston Group as well. BuildKG.com. What do you have on uh, stackingtheinbox.com right now, Zach? What you got for the folks? Uh, right now, today was Bill Callahan. Uh, tomorrow, I think, is a Roma Dunze film Friday, if I'm not mistaken. Ooh. But uh, to today on Thursday, uh, all about Bill Callahan. Uh, I thought it was interesting because people have talked about, well, he's he's Brian. First off, oh, I have this. What we got? Four minutes? Okay, we got time. Yeah, keep going. We got time. Am I the only one who doesn't give a shit about Brian and Bill's relationship? Can we get over the stop asking this question? How do was a weird interviewing your dad and all that kind of stuff? I'm kind of over it. Uh, same, same. But maybe that's just me. Same individual who was yelling, just for the record. Yeah. Cold, um, cold and callous me. I don't care about the yeah, relationship. an asshole. No, uh, I don't care about the relationship as much as I do think it's something that they are going to address early in the process here, which they're doing now. And it'll kind of disappear, yeah. I think. Um, I think if the offensive line has major problems in a game, it, like I think there's an element of like, do you? How do you put pressure on your father to do a better job? Like it's, and again, I think he, he probably it, don't have to because he, he uh, Bill Callahan, for all intents and purposes, talks talks uh, about if if his offensive line keeps making the same mistakes, that offensive lineman is not going to be there, right? Well, like, and, there is no Dennis Daly playing 16 games, or 17 games look, for this team. I, I don't know what your relationship was with your with your father. I, I love my dad to death, but I also know exactly when we shouldn't be in the room together anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, that's how he, I am. He knows. I know. We both know. We miss each other. And then it's time. And then we need a break. And it, like it's like every other father son relationship. I think like sure you can be best friends and you can be great, but like you, it's pretty obvious. And I think he said it today. He was like, yeah, it's pretty obvious when like I don't want to talk to him and he doesn't want to talk to me and like we just kind of know. And I think that's just pretty natural for for fathers and sons. I think it is an interesting point of like, Hey, look how much experience we've built on this staff, this staff behind three guys that have never had these roles before. I think that is an interesting piece of context. And to have a father who's a former head coach in the NFL as your offensive line coach is an asset and a commodity. And so I think it's always going to be sort of like this weird side story, I think, but it ultimately does I mean, are you a great offensive line coach or not? That's ultimately all that matters. And he's a pretty good. He's a pretty good question. offensive line coach so. all the time. But anyway, uh, the reason why I brought that up is because everybody just assumes that he's going to have a large, uh, large voice in the draft room and how the draft is built and how the prospects are are picked and all this stuff. Because a lot of people were like, "Well, obviously with Bill Callahan, you're going to get the first round pick." I I actually pull up the data. It is. It is not it he's coached a lot of first rounders, but the teams that he's been on have not drafted a lot of first rounders. And I think that is a big distinction that most of the and since 2015, here I'm gonna throw you something out there. Since 2015 mm -hmm. from so that's the time with Washington all the way to uh to the Browns. He, they've drafted more third rounders than first rounders. Okay, Bill Callahan era. Okay. All right. And it, well, I'm sorry. They did not draft. They, they did draft more third rounders than first rounders, but they, um, he, the starters on his offensive line, the top five snap getters each season, more third rounders have been playing more snaps for him than first rounders. That is not to say I got you. I got you. They're going to draft anything. I'm just saying that the people that think that he has, even when he was a head coach, the people that think that he is, is going to be a really loud voice and deciding factor whether they're going to go offensive lineman or wide receiver are fooling themselves into thinking something is there that does not exist. 
Brian I, I, Callahan, Rand Carthon are yeah. setting the terms. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I think we all know very clearly who's making final decision on all of this stuff, which is Rand Carthon. Uh, what I find interesting. Tighten up, Tony. There you go. And I think what's interesting is if, like, and we don't know this, and we can't really ask this because they're not going to answer it. But if Bill Callahan were to sit down with his son in a moment of honesty and be like, dude, I watched film on your O line last year. It fucking sucks. We need four new players. And I'm going to go and I'm standing on a table to tell you to tell Rand we need offensive linemen. That possibly could happen. That absolutely could have happened behind closed doors. And then it's up to them to do with that information what they will. But that is absolutely that. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they go, hey, Bill, what did you see on film last year from this team? And he's like, yeah, I mean, that's what they're going to do. I mean, I'm not saying that he's not going to talk at all. They're they're not going to like set him up to the side and he's not going to speak. But the people who think, like I've reiterated, but the people who think that, well, they're definitely going to go offensive line because they're going to listen to Bill Callahan no matter what. Bill Callahan's going to say, damn it, get me a first rounder. That is not what is going to happen. He's not the head coach. And the head coach doesn't have final say over the GM. So. There we go. There you go. All right. Stacking the inbox.com sinkers beverages, of course, Kingston group, great sponsors as well Uh, for Zach. I am Braden. I think you got some more content coming up. A hot read pod coming up right here on the YouTube pages. So stay tuned for that. Uh, Otherwise rate review, subscribe, give us a little subscription button there on the YouTube page as well uh, and share the product with somebody, you know, all this great content for the Tennessee Titans. So thank you guys for listening. Have a great weekend, offensive and defensive roster breakdowns next week as they fit into these particular coordinator schemes and the future of the roster before we get to free agency combine draft etc so uh for zach i'm brayden thanks for listening have a great weekend everybody we will talk to you on monday